everybody, and welcome to the Two Jobbers and a Wrestling Podcast. Wow. Podcast. <laughs> we have a really good show for you today. Not only a good friend, but another good brother. My good brother, Philip Watson, a.k.a. Bip. Bip, how are you doing, man? Um, I'm doing well. I'm, I'm proud to be here. I'm happy that uh, that beginning was as energetic as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that was fantastic. Thank man, you for having me. No problem, man. Uh, first off, man, how you doing with this whole, you know, quarantine pandemic thing going on? How, how are you? How are you holding up? Um, you know, I'm holding up. <laughs> you can't, I mean, people who say that they can't complain aren't trying hard enough, in my opinion. I can always complain. So, but we're just going to skip all that because <laughs> life could be good and life is good. So that's, that's how it is. Yes, sir. Okay. It's a tradition here on the two jobbers in a wrestling podcast that I ask you two questions. Question number one, Ben. What got you into wrestling? Got me into wrestling. Um, I, I think, honestly, it was a Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, <laughs> he would just come out and you'd hear that glass shatter and then like it would automatically just be like extremely exciting. So I, I guess I didn't get like the, um, the excellent start that most others got. Like there a lot of other people that got to see Owen Hart. They got to see like Bret Hart in his prime. They got to see like all those excellent, excellent dudes. I go back and watch like their matches. WWE Network, and they show you them, but it's not what it's nothing like watching it live, you know. So, yeah, yeah. like, I could tell you about a Stone Cold match, and you could just remember where you were at that point when you were playing it live, and how like the live action would just be way better than watching, you know, like a recording or so. So, I, I think I think it was just super interesting that these things were improvised on the spot, and the storylines were done live always, and these people were characters. You never saw the people outside of wrestling as you do now. Like, The Undertaker is an infallible character. He he only recently started talking out about stuff. And yeah. he was just the dead man the entire time, and he had the character shift, but he was still that character. He owned it. So, the only person that still does this um, is Brock Lesnar. And that's probably why like he's so well done, I guess. Yeah, I would agree with that. That's, that's definitely true, in my opinion. Uh, second question: Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Um, wow, that's, that's actually a hard one. I, I know I wrote some notes. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Uh, I, I guess I guess it would honestly, man. Favorite wrestler of all time, or who do I think is the best? Your your favorite wrestler of all time. My favorite is probably like a three way tie between Kane, Rob Van Dam, and uh, Chris Jericho. Okay, those are, those are three great talents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean in their own right. Of course, yeah, you know, I mean. Jericho is probably the greatest out of those three. If if we're just gonna talk on like prestigion or yeah, I would agree with that. But today we are talking the recap AEW Double or Nothing, another great Double or Nothing. It, it was an entertaining pay per view, uh, really good matches. 
Uh, they kept me hooked the whole time. Uh, I, did, did did you enjoy the show? Were you a fan of it? Honestly, it was it was like really really well done. I liked like almost all of it from beginning to end. Um, <clears throat> the obviously the the main main event, the one after the title match, was just so ridiculous that I I couldn't. <laughs> I honestly couldn't get enough of it. Forty forty six minutes was it? Went yes, by in like two seconds. It was For just real. fantastic. In the beginning, I got really scared. I thought like, oh no, too much is happening. I even remember texting you, and I was like, yeah, uh oh. Yeah. But then, like after that beginning, I was like, oh, okay, I see, I see what this is gonna, what's gonna happen here. And yeah. it's just, it blew me away. It actually made me like wrestling again, kind of. There you go. Well, yeah. let's let's uh. Let's jump into this uh this card right here. So the pre-show match was Private Party versus The Best Friends, the winner receiving a AEW Tag Team Championship match. Um, this match, I'm not going to lie to you, because I, I was even texting Frankie during this match. Uh, in my opinion, this match was very sloppy. There was a lot of, <laughs> there was a lot of botches. There was a uh, lot of missed spots. And it just... I don't know. Like, I don't know. I guess because it's AEW and I know they put so much into their wrestling, I was expecting yeah. more. Especially their tag team wrestling. I know their tag team wrestling is like A1. And this match was just... It's funny because uh, I had said that. I was like, oh man, the only tag team match is on the pre-show. Like, why is it on the pre-show? Well, <laughs> now I know why it's on the pre-show. <laughs> you know, like, you know your match is kind of uh, not the greatest or sloppy. If somebody, Lance Archer, breaking a toilet with a sledgehammer was more interesting than that. This is very true. Yeah. So if you have somebody breaking a restroom and that's less sloppy than a match, then you have a problem. Yeah, I mean, other than that, I'm I'm happy the best friends won. I think they were definitely the people to go over here. Uh, I'm excited to see them, you know, contend for the tag team titles. Uh, Do you have any opinions on the match? Did you like it? Was it? Did you think it was sloppy? So yeah, I I agree with the sloppiness. Um, I also think that they tried like really too hard to pull off so much fancy things, and it doesn't seem like they um they had great chemistry. The private party and uh, best friends. Okay. I feel like this may have been like the first time. I could be wrong. I feel like this is like the first time they worked together. It seems. Yeah, and because like you said, it is very sloppy. They they showed that there wasn't a lot of chemistry. I I did really like that they had that um that like what what do you call that? Uh, they mentioned that Chad Gasper guy passing away. Yeah, yeah. They, like they gave him a shout out, and I really respected that. That was good. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But at the same time, at the same time, you know. Uh, as as you and I both know, Orange Cassidy is the best wrestler in that ring. <laughs> and um, I feel I feel that in, in a match with Orange Cassidy, it shouldn't we shouldn't be talking about sloppiness. We should be talking about entertainment value and just just great a great show. The fact that we could say that it's uh, it's a little sloppy, even a little bit, is just you know, it's a letdown. I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, on to the next match, we had the. The nine-person casino ladder match. Listen, this match was absolutely amazing. Like, honestly, you throw a bunch of people in a ladder match, and you just know it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, like, absolutely. I, I agree with that. 
Um, I, I like the way they started the match. I liked that they did um, uh, Scorpio Sky versus Frankie Kazarian, like, you know, SCU kind of, you know, imploding in that in that moment. I, I like the idea of that. Um, I'm trying to think of some other spots that got me in that match. Oh, um, Darby Allen jumping off the top of the ladder with a skateboard. Like, what the hell is that? That was, yeah, that crazy. was crazy. Darby um, Allen's one of those guys, man. Yeah, man. He's... He's someone I think is gonna get a push at some point in time. Like he definitely has, he has it. I guarantee it. I agree. Um, but listen, as you just mentioned, and I gotta bring this guy up because I love this guy. Yo, Orange Cassie, this guy is <laughs> so funny. For him to come out and walk over to the announce table and be like, "How do you win this match? You gotta climb a ladder." He just, he just looked like someone just like like ruined his day. He was like, "Oh God." And I'm telling you, just to see him go in the ring and just like look up and kind of just like reach for it, and he's like, I get it. It's like, yeah. And then like him picking up the ladder and it's like it's falling, and he's just like, I don't know what else to do. Like, it was just great entertainment, in my opinion. Yeah, I really enjoyed that spot. Uh, the fact that he tried standing on the ladder on its side and then reaching yes. up, like Orange Cassidy is just such a character. He's like, I really enjoy when he comes out on the television, and also. um he was wearing a shirt with his face on it. That's uh, that's pretty fantastic. I'd wear I'd wear a shirt I, with his face on. I I agree. I I thought that was a, <laughs> that was a really nice touch to his character. Yeah. Um, but the big news from this match, you know, there there was a ninth uh, person in this match that we had no idea who it was. Uh, I was speculating one of these WWE guys who just recently got released. It was not. It was actually your boy, Biff. It was oh, Brian man. Cage. Yeah, what was that going was through like, when Brian when 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 he came out, my uh, my internet failed for a second, so I had to restart it, and uh, so I missed the whole him coming out with Taz and destroying that ladder. Uh, I got to rewatch it, of course, because I wanted to see him come out. And um, when he ripped the ladder in half, I was like, "Oh, that's that's probably a real ladder. I believe that." So <laughs> 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 like, I'm surprised like he didn't like. You know, rip the ladder in half and then just beat people to death with it. Right. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. So when he came out and his music broke and then Taz came out, I thought it was a joke at first. And then, like, he came out and I was like, oh, that's that's fantastic. Uh, it was just greatness. And having everybody, like, dump all their equipment on him and then him just coming out of nowhere again. And I was like, oh, I believe that they're going to use him correctly. <laughs> I agree. Um, you know, Brian Cage went on to win this match, which I think him being in the match was, like, that was just the clear choice. Uh, it yeah. makes sense to me, especially for him to contend for the AEW world title. Uh, I think that's going to be a, I think it's going to be a good match between him and Moxley. I think it's going to be a good story. Uh, I was saying to you before we started the show, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of him uh, having Taz as his mouthpiece. I think it's going to be really cool with Taz talking for him. Um, but, I mean, yeah, what, what do you think about Taz being his, his manager? I think, that it's a, I think that it's a good, smart, safe decision to begin with, um, especially because the way that Cage is being pushed, he hasn't gotten this in his career. Uh, he, he does have, like, a very successful career in warrior wrestling. In TNA, he was champion for a while. Um, but I, I don't feel like he was ever properly utilized as like the machine, you know. Yeah. Like he would come, he would come out with all these gimmicky outfits, but this time they just threw him in, 
some regular tights and let him be the machine, which is exactly what they should have done with him the entire time. Not like some gimmicky outfit, not like, oh, how they've been utilizing him. I think that, uh, I think that they made a safe call and he could be something on the microphone as we've seen in things such as Lucha Underground that he can perform that way. But I think the safe, good choice put this huge face behind him as and let him have free reign to do what he does best, which is destroy people. So, like we um we saw yesterday on AEW. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, on to the next match though, which uh honestly I I wouldn't even argue it because I would agree that uh this match was probably the best technical match of the night. Uh, MJF versus Jungle Boy. Oh man, dude! The moment this- that match happened, you heard me tell you I was like, that's match of the night. Yeah. And listen, it's funny because like I wasn't um I wasn't intrigued for this match. Uh I just I just think MJF just should be doing bigger and better things, which he will at some point. Uh but listen, it, it definitely proved me wrong because this match was absolutely amazing. Just like the technicality of it. Like this is probably one of the best matches I've seen in like the last like three years. What was your favorite spot in the match? I'll tell you mine. Uh favorite spot in the MJF match. Honestly, I love the way he ended the match. Like, the pin that he did, I love yeah, how, how he pulled that, that off. Was that was, like, a very technical match, I do agree. There was a lot of really good spots, but probably the best spot, in my opinion, was when uh, Jungle Boy had him on the apron on the outside of the ropes. He does the Hurricane Rana backwards on MJF. MJF takes a, a lick, and then he stands up on the outside of the ropes, and then he drops to his back. Like, that was an excellent sell. Yeah. Like, that was the best yeah. thing I saw. Like, that was just ridiculous. I couldn't even believe it. Like, he fell down on his back. I was like, oh my god. That was beautiful. It was a fantastic... It reminded me of that uh, that Triple H self when he took that boot to his face and he's just like... He's looking up at the ceiling and Shawn Michaels is staring at him like, yeah. are you gonna fall or what are you doing? Yeah. It just reminded me of that for just a second and I was like, that was just an excellent sell. So when I saw that, I started laughing. I was like, great. Yeah, man, uh, again, this this match definitely blew my expectations out of the water. It was it was honestly a really good match. And I honestly can't wait to see what they're going to do with MJF because I'm telling you, he has a bright future in AEW. Oh, yeah. No, the sky's the limit for him, man. And also, he's one of the guys that I talked about before. Uh, he's one of the pe- the real characters. Like, yeah. he's permanently in character. He, even little kids are like, MJF, sign my stuff. And he's like, ew, no. <laughs> so, so I'm like, that's that's fantastic. He wears like this douchey scarf. And it's yeah. just like, dude, it's so easy to not like him. But like at the same time, he's just so good at it. Yeah, exactly. Like he's he's definitely like, probably like in the top five heels, like in the wrestling industry today. Easy. Easy. Absolutely. Like, that, that's that's being safe, too. I'd probably say, like, top two. And that's only because of also his wrestling ability. Like, yeah. he can beat people, and it looks good. He's He looks good in the ring. Especially when he's like, oh, I got hurt, I got hurt, and then he starts stomping on the guy. That was hilarious. Yeah. Love that. <laughs> I agree. Very, very heelish of him. Very. Uh, on to the next match. We have the TNT Championship Finals. Cody versus Lance Archer. Before we get into this match, can we both just talk about how how god awful the TNT Championship looks, or or uh, am I crazy? Uh, 
It looks like it looks like someone took a, a piece of big red gum and slapped some plating on it. Yes. <laughs> it's just not. It's not attractive. Yeah, it's like really the ugliest spell. I don't know, man. I, I mean, they said that they were gonna put like gold, like more gold plating on it, and like I saw it with more gold plating, and you know, it just and the thing that gets me is it's like that big like TNT in the middle. Like I'm just like, why can't we do anything about this? Like <laughs> why? It looks like, like it's, it's, it's ugly. It's it's really the most hideous looking thing. <laughs> and, uh, honestly, they could have put like uh, you know a stick of dynamite from like Looney Tune cartoon or something, yeah. or maybe even one of those Crash Bandicoot TNT boxes, something like that. They didn't have to exactly just say, "Hey, look, this is our network." <laughs> like we know what network this is on. It's on the lower bottom left hand corner of the screen. I see TNT the entire time I'm watching. So yeah. like, I don't gotta see this on a belt too, you know. It's, it's too much. It's so much. It just says TNT emblazoned across the center. Exactly. Reminds me of uh, the soccer jerseys for Manchester United. It has like that big Chevrolet logo on the front. Oh, yeah. Really <laughs> <laughs> uh, but on to the match. Um, this match was good. Uh, I feel like I got exactly what I expected out of this match. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like crazy technical, but they definitely did tell like a good story. Yeah, um, I figured Mike Tyson was gonna get involved, which I was like, no, whatever. I don't really care. About Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> like, if he got okay. involved, I would gone like mad. I was just like, really, come on. Like, let's just let's um, just not with the celebrities for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I agree. Um, I, I was surprised that Cody beat Lance Archer, but I thought Lance Archer was gonna was gonna walk away from the match with the title. I was very surprised by that. Yeah, but that that that, in my opinion, was the like I said, safety with Taz being attached to Cage. Attaching Cody Rhodes with the TNT belt is also safety because, honestly, Cody Rhodes has, like, a, a great mouth for for promos and stuff. Like, he's he's done a lot of those things. So, it's like um, when he, he does... Uh, when he does promos, it's like he truly believes, like, what he's saying. And if, if he believes what he's saying, then, like, he can make us believe anything, right? Yeah, he could, true. Like, he used to yell about, oh, it's my family, it's my family, when he was a heel. And yeah. that, that was that was hilarious when he was in Japan. Like, that was probably one of my favorite times of, of him as a character. But giving him this belt, giving the prestige to the title with Cody Rhodes, especially... I know we're recapping a double or nothing, but when he came out yesterday and he's like issuing the open challenge, gave me a little uh, Cena-esque vibes. And yeah. when he did that open challenge, he, he was just crystal clear. Like, he, I can believe anything that comes out of his mouth because he believes it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so, something, I mean, something that's funny that I, I thought was hilarious that he said yesterday uh, on, on uh, Dynamite was, um, he was talking about how, you know, he's from New England and this and that and blah, blah. And he was like, well, I'm not welcome in Connecticut anymore. And I'm like, ah, ha, ha, it's a <laughs> joke. You're not. That was good on your part. I enjoyed somehow, that. Somehow he just does that with class, though. Like, he he, he shits on it. But, oh, yeah, uh, exactly. He poo-poos on it. And, and out of nowhere, he just throws that little slithering, like, snake at it. And it's just, it's classy. <laughs> like is, he didn't exactly wrong. break a throw with a sledgehammer this time, but he uh, 
Lance Arch, Lance Arch are actually broke up the throne with a sledgehammer in the pre-show. So it's true. Toilet, did, you know? did you know how old Lance Archer is? Because I didn't know how old he was. I didn't. I thought he was a little older um, when he did the, the the rope walk. Like for some reason, it, it made me think he was a little older, but not not much. Like I thought he was like maybe thirty five. To find yeah. out he's the forty and he moves around like that and he wrestles like that. And he has athletic ability like this. It's it's really something. Like I'm 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 massively impressed with that. That he's 43. Yeah, I mean, I, when I when Fra- uh, Frankie had texted me and told me that, and I was like, "What? No way, he's 43." And then when I looked up, I was like, "Oh wow, my dude's legit 43." That's <laughs> like this is like when people's careers are like basically coming to an end. Like your career is kind of just like starting in AEW. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, man. And honestly, the sky's the limit for the guy. He could. Uh, I, I hope that they keep using him the way they are because he's also a mouthpiece. Jake Roberts doesn't just oh. speak for him the entire time. So exactly. it, it just it adds like prestige to his character and it makes it makes it just so much more believable that he's this kind of like scummy guy. Exactly. Also, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed during the match that he was doing a little bit more of like the storyline during the match, whereas Cody Rhodes was doing a little bit more of like the wrestling aspect, if you will, and selling stuff, I guess. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. However, I believe that he tried too hard to be a little scummy, and he kept staring at the camera. And that that took a little bit of the magic out of me. Like, I agree. I did not like that he kept staring at the camera. I was like, dude, you fight Cody Rhodes. Don't look at me. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> no, yeah, I, I agree. You know, he, yeah, I mean, you said it best. You know, he was definitely handling the storytelling uh, better in that match. I think it was a great decision to have him um, start the match with his finisher just to show how dominant he is as a person. Like, that was a great decision in my opinion. I agree. But, you know, it's like uh, playing WWE No Mercy with, like, unlimited finishers, you know? <laughs> what is a finisher if it's just your regular move? Exactly, right? <laughs> I, I- I, I think that it is great that he started the match with the finisher. I, I'll say that this one time because I actually thought there was a there was a small possibility that he could have finished Cody Rhodes at the beginning of the match. I thought because too, I believed yeah. that for just a small second, for just that small second, I was like, oh my god, I almost believed that that match was over. Like, <laughs> so that disappointment that I felt and the relief at the same time made the story that much better. So I do agree that it's. It was good that he started the match. But let's let's not have finishers as regular moves. Cody Rhodes hit him with the close like three times, four times. Yeah, let's have yeah. finishers as a finisher. Uh, like, well, what's what's the point of it being called a finisher if we need to hit people four or five times? With it? I agree. No, that, that's absolutely, I absolutely agree with that. On to the next match, the first women's match of the night: Penelope Ford versus Chris Statlin. Oh man, love Chris Statlin. This match was good. Uh, I mean, listen, I am a huge fan of Britt Baker. So when I found out Britt Baker was injured <laughs> oh. and she couldn't wrestle, I was kind of pissed. Uh, I think if, if Britt Baker would have wrestled in this match, she definitely would have went over Chris Statlander. That would have been a guarantee, in my opinion. But, I mean, other than that, like it was an okay match. I mean, I, I wasn't looking forward to Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. So it was kind of whatever for me. I agree. I agree. But I was I was very impressed with like the athleticism that Penelope Ford showed in I the agree. match. 
Especially because yeah. they were they were giving him like giving her like a kayfabe back injury the entire time, and she actually did sell that quite a bit. She was holding it a lot, and it made sense. So it could have cheapened Statlander's value a little bit if they made Ford go over her. And also, I, I do I do really enjoy Chris Statlander's wrestling. She's very technical. She's a good wrestler. She's very strong in the ring, but, but um. I would really appreciate if she stopped screaming during every one of her moves. <laughs> like, honestly, I'm I'm not even like trying to be a jerk or anything. I just find it really annoying. And, yeah. Like, it takes away from the moves that she's performing. Like, I'm like, wow, that moves good, but like, you don't need to yell like a an Amazonian every time you're doing like the clothesline. You know? Yeah, agreed. So I enjoyed that match. Um, yeah, it, it was okay for me. Uh, on to the next match, if you, if you want to call this a match, uh, Dustin Rhodes versus Sean Spears. <laughs> I love this. This is fantastic. Listen, I, I almost didn't think that he was going to come I out, will, but that was it. To the day I die, man, I will stand by Sean Spears. He's a perfect 10. <laughs> perfect 10. I knew you were going to say that. Um, he's a person I feel like isn't getting utilized the best way I would hope he'd be utilizing AEW, but... I don't know. Maybe one day he'll get there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this is this was a good entertaining moment, I guess. It wasn't really a match. Uh, what, what were your opinions on on this uh, match? I guess. I didn't think that Dustin Rose was gonna come out, but then when he did, uh, I'm I'm a huge Goldust guy, huge oh, Dustin yeah. Rhodes guy. Yeah, man, I, Dustin Rose is like just. Timeless, especially like he he made he made a character as Goldust happen when like all that stuff wasn't even looked at right. So yeah, exactly. how do you how do you how do you make a character with like this wig and stuff go over? He did that, and he became like super comfortable. He comes from like a Texas family, as Cody Rhodes will tell you over and over and over again. He comes from a Texas family, <laughs> so. So he comes from this southern town and he puts Goldust over and that's that's amazing. What I want to do is I want to see Dustin Rhodes do the Shattered Dreams. That would be funny. Oh, like, yeah. He should have done that on Sean Spears after he spanked him. That, yeah. That was, that, was, that was really that would have been really funny. But also, what was um was that the Crossroads he did? What was that? Oh, that's called the Final Cut. That, that that's what that that movie is. Uh, when he does the suplex. I'm a fan. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. It reminds me a lot of the um Osprey's finisher. Oh yes, kind of. Yeah, yes. it looked a lot like it, but you know, not not exactly. So that's why I'm like, wow, dude, that move was fantastic. Yeah. First time seeing it. So And also it was believable to do on Sean Spears. Sean Spears sold it yeah, very yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, also well. he's amazing on the microphone. I, I agree with you. He's being underutilized. I think that him and Goldust can have him and Dustin Rhodes. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Him and Dustin could have a really good rivalry. And I agree. It would be um it would be something to look forward to, you know? And also for some reason, how does Dustin Rhodes look better now than he's ever looked? It's really something. Uh, you know, it's yeah. like he's getting better with age. For Him real. and Lance Archer are like immortal. Yeah. <laughs> like, it honestly is, it's crazy when you think about it, because you know, Dustin's in his fifties, so like you know, <laughs> to be wrestling like that is kind of crazy. Yeah, man, it, it's really, 
him the him and the the Cody match where he got all bloodied and stuff. That that was a fantastic match. I was so good. That was probably the best match of that guy's career. And probably. he's doing it. He's doing it at this age. Exactly. Yeah. How did you get better? How did how is he getting better? I don't know. It must be just his determination. Honestly, I hope so because as a little for Dustin Rhodes too. It's it's just yeah. great that they have so so many of these really good characters, especially ones like um, Sean Spears, like you said. Uh, he's just a fan beloved guy, and it's fantastic seeing him like speak on the microphone again and be used. It's yeah. just great. Give yeah. him some TV time; people will watch and people will love it. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Uh, on to the next match: the AEW Women's Championship match, Nyla Rose versus Hakuru Ashida. What do you think? All right, so this, this one, this one was good. It was believable. Um, Agreed. It was a believable match. Um, Sheila had said in the promo that she's not going to back down. If she keeps getting knocked down, she'll get back up. She proved that. Yeah. <laughs> she got like she got pinned like what five times, but she didn't get three counted. She yeah. kicked out two. It looked like she would have lost. I believe there was a submission attempt, and she almost, like, I really thought it was over. Uh, but then she picks up that kendo stick and just wallops Nyla Rose in the face. And I was just like, oh, my God. Yo, that, that was that totally last, believable. Yeah, that last kendo, sh- uh, kendo stick shot, like, oh. right across the head. I was like, damn. I was like, like it's good? over. <laughs> yo, she good? <laughs> like, she's concussed, my guy. <laughs> Wait, yeah. once, once she hit her with that, and then her uh, with, with with the knee strike, I knew right then that that match was over. Not even a question. <sighs> yeah, man. Honestly, that 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 was that was the Kinshasa. Let's be real. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just missing the uh, roll the arm back flare. You know, yeah. That's all that she had to do, and then she could have been Shinsuke pretty much. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I know this is a double or nothing recap, but Sheeta was she was unstoppable in that match. She couldn't get pinned, she couldn't get anything, and it was it was just a great, believable match. However, yesterday uh, I told you I was going to watch it today, so I did. Um, yesterday, she's in a match with just someone who has no prestige at this point, and she's struggling. Like, yeah. I don't understand what the point is of that. How are you going to get your your woman's champion, who looked like an unstoppable beast, lose to Sheeta, and then she has a regular match with just a regular person and struggles? Like, yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't do it justice. Like, she had to use a kendo stick and break that thing over Nyla Rose's head to, to win. And then, I agree. And then she struggles with regular like match. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, what is going on? <laughs> Let's yeah. have some clarity. Yeah, there's like, no, I, yeah, I can't even think of like a way, like, booking-wise, why that would make sense. I Unless mean... Unless you're trying to the other lady, but I don't even remember her name. Exactly, <laughs> oh, yeah. She was like a nobody, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... I agree. I think that, I think this, this match definitely, uh, um, it, it outshined my expectations. Especially oh, with the oh, uh, again, it's just another testament, you know, that, that women's wrestling is like the thing right now. Like, they can do it. They they can go all in for it. <laughs> yeah, man. Honestly, this this guy, like I keep saying, this 
praise, but the sky is the limit for that as well. They're just doing everything right, in my opinion. But let's not let's not push you know your champions down like like WWE is notorious for doing in the past yeah. few years. You don't you don't let your champions just lose. You don't even let them get close to losing like yesterday. That that was that shouldn't have been as close as it was. It really I shouldn't agree. have. I have to agree with you. <laughs> um, on to the next match though. It is the the first of the two main events for the AEW World Championship: John Moxley versus Brody Lee. Oh yeah. What 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 are your thoughts on this match? Um, unfortunately, it didn't live up to the to what I wanted it to be. Um, I would read this in. For some odd reason to me, I don't know why this is, but for some strange reason, I feel that Brody Lee looked out of shape and he didn't look like he was trying most of the match. Even his, like, you know, discus, yeah. discus lariat, that was very slow. Like, he usually performs that move with, like, gusto and speed, and it looks like it could hurt. He, he was, like, Taking a practice swing, you're yeah, fighting. Okay. You're fighting John Moxley, who's a champion. You you miss your practice swing, you could lose the match. Spoiler alert: He lost the match. <laughs> but but you, you, why did he look so slow to me? I, I don't know what what was going on that entire time, but I just couldn't get into that match. I just I don't know why, but. It just didn't interest me as much. John Moxley yeah. is an interesting character. I like the way that they're carrying him. I like that he comes out out of nowhere, out of the um, stands. <laughs> yeah, even though the crowd's empty. But <laughs> but um, Brody Lee could be so much better than that, and it's just it, it felt like it was a disservice. That match could have been great. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I felt it was kind of slow. Uh, I agree. I was expecting more out of this match. Um, both, both story wise and wrestling wise, I didn't really get either. Uh, I mean, the biggest spot in this match was the, uh, the paradigm shift through the, through the floor, which, uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, it was a cool spot. It was, it was a cool spot. Um, but I mean, the thing that I hated about this match was I hated that it ended with, him putting Brody Lee in a sleeper hold. Like, what the hell is this? Like, I mean, I, I kind of get it. You know, you, you choke the big man out, but, like, I think I would have rather see you hit another paradigm shift and just pin the guy. Not only that, didn't he hit two? He hits two paradigm shifts, one goes through the the ramp, and he still has to choke the guy out? What is, what yeah. is the finisher anymore? What is it? Exactly. Is it a move? You're not and wrong. I, I laughed when you said paradigm shift because, like, I, I completely forgot that move's not called dirty deeds anymore. He did not call. I was like, yeah, I was like paradigm shift. That's that's funny. Well, you mentioned that. Uh, even like the really hardcore aspects of that match didn't feel very hardcore. Like, oh, Brody Lee did that angle slam looking thing to, yeah. to Moxley. Um. On that weird poker chip stand, and that didn't look like it was very effective. It was just so slow. I wanted, I wanted something. I just wanted it to be better, and it wasn't. And uh, that's maybe not their fault. It's not anybody else's fault. It's just how I perceived the match, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree that this match uh, did not, I agree, uh, again, live up to what I wanted it to be. 
Uh, honestly, looking at it now, I'm happy that that match did not close the show. I'm happy that it chose to close it with the Stadium Stampede match because if the night would have ended how that match ended, I probably would have been uh, kind of disappointed in a way. But, uh, yes. Yeah. I forgot that there was a match on after it, to be honest. <laughs> and then when, oh, man. No, it's okay. We can get into it right now. The uh, main event. Please match. This match. Um, first of all, I mean, I, I like that, um, you know, they're kind of taking a page from WWE now where uh, we're kind of utilizing these, like, cinematic type matches. Because they're just entertaining. They are just, honestly, really entertaining. Um, but this match was... So fun and so like I I'm just like trying to think of all the spots like in my head right now that I can even bring up. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll let you start with it and then we'll we'll just get into it more. So honestly, <laughs> what what we could do is we could uh, go back in time, start over, and just talk about this match. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what we could do, but we're we're not, of course. And uh, I just I can't believe that I like this match as well as I did. I talked a little bit about it before, and that's because I was worried in the beginning. And also, like you mentioned, cinematic match type, uh, they are very interesting. But this one wasn't like it wasn't overdone. It wasn't. It was sloppy a little bit, which made it great. Um, one of one of the one of the better spots was when one of the Jacksons jumped off the stands through that table, and that yeah. was that was really cool. But even that was a little sloppy because if anybody's been to any sports stadiums, they know those stairs are steep and hard. Like so, so, even he, somebody that athletic. He's yeah. running down those stairs, and he's like, oh, shit, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall. <laughs> I was and, like, he saw like, him, like, not getting speed. He was just like, oh, I'm going to run at the same speed the entire time. I, didn't, I wouldn't want to fall down those steps either, you know? Like, But it added, it added realism to it as well. It was like that little, that little like, hiccup-ish made, made it just a lot more. Just that one little spot on it, too, like. I I appreciated the cowboy coming out on the horse. <laughs> I enjoyed that. I love that he spent like you know fifty percent of that match like in the bar. Like what yeah. the hell is going on here? That was pretty funny. Stay here, the horse. But then the horse is still there. Like that horse deserves you know he sold that stay. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, uh, of course, Jake Hager runs in the the bar too. That was just. That was phenomenal. Oh yeah, just that that, that whole thing between him, uh, Omega, and Hangman Adam Page, like that was just a great, that like, was really spot. good. That was fantastic, and also just all three of them just being really good at wrestling makes it so much better. The V trigger into the bar, sliding, oh. sliding the cowboy down uh down the bar like it was an old western movie yeah. like the moment that happened like i was like oh come on really but it's believable because jack yeah. swagger jk is very very strong and yeah. it just shows you that hey sometimes all you need is a chance and you're you could be a really really good wrestler like he's never yeah. gotten that chance and yep. also this this guy is a, a beast he fought in the ufc also yeah, he did. and he he won in great fashion. So it's like this guy is a monster. So let's let's keep using him like that. Let's let's let him be strong. Let's make 
somebody like Kenny Omega and somebody like Hangman Page, who are like arguably two title contenders, have to face this guy and make it seem like they need to work together to beat him. Let's do that. Like that, that makes it great. It's just a great, great thing to do. That entire spot in that bar was fantastic. Did, like, your, uh, not... did, did, did your heart like jump a beat when they, when they did a spot on the pool table? Just like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I, I knew they were going to do something like that. And I was just like, ah, at this point, I, just, I really do appreciate Jim Ross uh, using the word slate in, regar- in regards to the pool table because it shows okay. that he actually did do like some kind of research and knowing what he was talking about about the pool table. So that was appreciated. Yeah. He goes, oh, right into that slate piece of the pool table. And I'm like, nice, Jim Ross. Very nice. You said the right name for once. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Sorry. right? Um, <laughs> no, another spot that... Some, some right. No, yeah, another spot that just came to mind, you know, when one of the young bucks did the moonsault off the goalpost, like, I was like, yeah, like, you knew that was going to happen. Like, there's no way they're not getting on top of that goalpost. But how, how? Like, how do you even stand on that thing? Like... I, that's true. I'm not going to lie to you. When he got up there, I was like, dude, that's kind of a hard thing to stand on, but he, he made it work. It was like a circle. <laughs> like how do you stand on a bar like that? That's, I have no idea. Incredible. Amazing. Um, and then uh, the other young buck who did the um, the the hundred yards. Oh my god! <laughs> Is that a deal though? Like, did they really it let him do that for all hundred yards? No way. Honestly, that was I all edited. It had to have been edited. There's no way he did a hundred yards like that. <laughs> but honestly, it just shows that uh. The, the guy, Sammy Guevara, he's, oh, yeah. How are they, how are they doing this? He's just amazing. He's a great That guy's fantastic. Yes, I absolutely agree. He's just so good. Everything with him in it, especially like him getting run down in the golf cart, the horse chasing him, him running back. It's just, it's, it's fun to watch. (laughs) Um, you know, we can't move on from this match unless we talk about, uh, Chris Jericho. Listen. The, his his spot in this match was so good. The fact that he called out the referee, that was a three. No, it was a two. I want to see a review. They see a review. You're a sucky referee. Oh, dude. Oh, my God. You're a shitty ref. And then <laughs> and she goes, oh, you want to see a replay? Wait, you're not even supposed to be in here. I'm not doing this. Like, <laughs> It was so funny. But then on top of that, Johnny, what happened was on Twitter, Jericho goes at her saying, you're a shitty ref. And then, like, she sends it back, like, you know, bumping her T-shirt. Because her T-shirt says, it's a two count or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then Jericho responds on that saying, that's a shitty shirt. And I'm like, (laughs) yes, Jericho. The other thing keeps giving. Honestly, he's phenomenal. There's one thing that Jericho did recently that I'm not, like, super into. I don't like that he named his baseball bat. Um, It it reminds me too much of a walking dead. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, like, honestly, every time he called his bat a name, I literally thought the name Lucille. That's because of Negan, the walking dead. So I don't even remember what Chris Jericho named the bat. (laughs) But I I just remember Lucille, though. Wasn't it, like, Louise? It was, it's something, but like yeah. at the same time, it's like, I can't think of anything but Lucille and yeah. Negan. Just being like, wrong. well, I have a bat. And I'm just like, dude, come on, Jericho. 
<laughs> you're you're good enough without that. Just just call it the bat. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Um but I think we can both agree here, like the biggest spot in this match that uh Twitter blew up with was just the Matt Hardy in the pool of reincarnation. Oh my, my god. god. My god. That was just that was perfect wrestling entertainment like at its best. I I 100% agree with that. Like, that was probably my favorite thing in the entire match. The chair of wheels being utilized. I did, I did see, I don't wanna, I don't wanna ruin this segment for you, but somebody else did on Twitter. They had mentioned, um, about the, the tragic passing of the Shad Gaspard. And they said that it was, it was tasteless to put him in water and make it seem like he drowned. Now, it was still just a spot. Like, that thing was written beforehand. Just sometimes maybe let's just enjoy something without attacking no, it. No, I death, agree. You know? I and agree. And also the mad facts and the guys seeing it on the side of the screen. <laughs> Version oh, 1, Matt Hardy. Dude, so great. And he's doing this underwater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was so great. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that that whole spot list. I agree. Uh, the thing that got me the most, of, like you just said, the Matt facts version oh one that already that was hilarious. I that loved was it. So great, and they and called it like matter of fact too <laughs> instead of Matt facts because like I don't know if they have a copyright or something. They probably but don't. It was just so great. They're like, well, um, what the hell is this Matt fact matter of fact? What does that mean? So good, so good. Um, yeah. but the. The other big spot, you know, the one that actually ended the match, dude, the one-winged angel off the stand into this whatever the hell was on the floor, that was insanity. I was like, well, Sammy Guevara's dead. That's it. They just killed Sammy Guevara. Honestly, dude. Like, he goes through, he goes through being chased by a horse. He goes through being chased by a golf cart. He gets all these moves done Then He actually ate a garbage can at one point, like, got yeah. thrown at him. And that was great because <laughs> he sold the hell out of it he just sells everything and um he gets all those suplexes <laughs> you know like if you know what i mean yeah he, yeah you know, hundred yards worth of suplexes but it's fun to think about and then he gets waking up he gets woken up by the uh the sprinkler and then he's like i won the match i won the match making him making him seem like that guy is just the right call oh and yeah having having the most Destructive looking finisher finish the match was just the icing on the cake. Like, I haven't seen One Winged Angel in a long time, but when I saw it, I was like, yes. No, yeah, I, I agree. It was, it, I couldn't believe it. Like, when he put him on the shoulders, I was like, nah, this guy's not, not about to do One Winged Angel. And then when he did it, I was like, oh my god! That was so insanity! They um, cowards. But yeah, I mean, uh, overall, like, you said at the beginning of the show, man, Double or Nothing was a great, was a great show. I really enjoyed it. It was really well done. It, it was, was it was a very, show. very good. And just, just on the unfortunate fact of um, how much I didn't like the, the title match, um, that was the only hiccup. But like you said, the uh, stadium stampede kind of saved that. So yep, absolutely. Um, like the best thing I've seen in wrestling in a very long time. Yeah, man, I, I have to agree with you on that. Uh, but it's time for us to move on to our top 10, Bip. 
Top 10 botches. Like, <laughs> yeah, man, I like what you came up with this week. Top 10 botches of all time. You know, there's just a... There's of just all a, time? I mean, I would say of all time. Why not? Okay. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll let you start off, Biff. What do you got for number 10? Okay, so... I did something a little different because I thought it would be too easy to come up with 10 botches that are funny. So I chose my favorite wrestlers and I made botches out of them. Botches cool. that they have done. Especially like because one of my favorites are uh, RVD or like I said before, I was a Goldust guy. I have a Goldust botch in here. <laughs> so first I'll start with uh, my very favorite wrestler at this moment in time, who is Cage. And the botch happened during Double or Nothing. <laughs> While he's trying to put Darby Allen on that ladder, Darby Allen falls off that ladder yeah. and comes back into the ring like nothing happened. Are you kidding yeah. me? Darby Allen didn't sell it. He should have sold it. Like, the worst thing you could do during a botch is not sell the botch. But yeah. <laughs> he done like nothing happened. And when that happened, I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> like, you guys are better than this. Let's, let's be real here. But I was so amazed that Cage came out. I wasn't even upset by the botch. I just laughed at it. I was like, oh, well, I guess we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Literally happened the night of. <laughs> um, my number 10 botch of all time is uh, Royal Rumble 2005, when uh, Batista was supposed to Batista bomb John Cena, and they both ended up going over the top rope, and... It's funny because I had watched a documentary recently where Ed was in it, and he says that uh, they were so lucky to land at the exact same time because, like, that wasn't supposed to happen. And, you know, that that's when Vince came out, and he was pissed, and he tore both his quads coming down to the ring. So that, that was just a botch walking. Yeah, that, that was just botches all around. But luckily, you know, they, they restarted the match with Cena and... And Batista, and they, they, they figured it out. But yeah, that that botch was not supposed to happen. No, but that was just that was just excellent television. Vince tearing oh, yeah. his quads at the same time was just it was <laughs> it was nasty. But at the same time, the way he walks, man, it, it was bound to happen sometime. <laughs> oh yeah. What do you got for number nine? Uh, what do I got for number nine? Uh, I will give you the very first 2002 Elimination Chamber match where. Um, well, this is the first time they do a chamber match, right? So, yeah. uh, the design of the thing, one, it looks super cool, but it's not very feasible. So, the, the pod and the chain at the top of the pod, there's, like, no space in between. Yeah. So, RVD gets up there, and he tries to do a frog splash on Triple H, and he destroys his throat yeah. <laughs> with his knee. That was... <laughs> I don't know who should be credited with that botch. Maybe the uh, the designer of the uh, the writer of the match. Maybe uh, the designer of the the chamber. Who gets credited with that? But does 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 Helmsley get it because he's laying on the floor wrong? Yeah, <laughs> who botched? I don't know. Either way, someone's throat got crushed that night, and there was somebody's mistake. And I don't know whose it was, but I, I guess I could give that one to RVD. He should he should have put his knee down like that. I guess. Yeah, I would agree with yeah. that. Uh, I wasn't, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my number nine is uh, Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels casket match. And this is a spot where Taker uh, throws Shawn Michaels over the rope. And when you look at it, I don't know if it was supposed to be over there or if he was supposed to honestly throw him over the casket. 
Or um, it could have just been Shawn Michaels. Like, he might have just landed wrong. But he lands and he hits his back on the corner of that casket. And that basically, at the time, ends his career for wrestling. Like, like for the time being. Because he, he went to WrestleMania that year. And then after that, he went on, on his like four or five year hiatus because of his back injury. So oh, that, yeah. yeah, that botch definitely affected, you know, Shawn Michaels' career in the long run. Absolutely. And uh, honestly, thinking back about it, I just remember the momentum and I don't I don't even think that that was Undertaker. I think that Shawn Michaels misread where he was supposed to go. And yeah, I agree. He just he flew too with with too much momentum. But it's luck luckily enough we got to see him come back and uh do the whole thing with Flair and Watching him fly through over the casket was, uh, wow. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. yeah Sometimes you watch his name, just think about him, and you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> What do you got for number eight? What do I have for number eight? I have, uh, I have SummerSlam 2003. Um, two of my favorites are fighting. Uh, we got, we got Kane against RVD. Nice. I remember this one because, because it was so outlandish, it was it was very much like the. Uh, it might not be considered one of the greatest of all time, but it has two of my very favorites in it. So I thought it was hilarious, uh, especially because of the cage one that I just mentioned. Uh, this kind of plays off of that. Yeah. Um, when you botch moves, you're you're not supposed to like leave, pretend like it didn't happen because if you do that, then it looks like a mess up, right? Exactly. So Kane Kane goes on top of the rope, but he does that top rope. The famous top rope lariat, and you could go back and watch this. It is funny. Uh, he instead of doing the lariat or anything, he just falls off the ropes to the outside and crashes to the floor hard, hard. He could have sold it. He could have done a million things, but then the gift that keeps giving is Kane. So he gets up, pretends like it didn't happen, and then proceeded to do the top rope lariat again. So, so it was so <laughs> worth just like even thinking about botches to remember this one because oh my god, like that is actually super funny. <laughs> oh man, Slam 2003, definite worth, definite uh, worth going back to watch it. My number eight happened at one of the uh, Saudi Arabia shows. It was Ginger Mahal versus Jeff Hardy. Uh, Jeff Hardy does a whisper in the wind on Ginger. It does not connect. In any way whatsoever, and Ginger takes the fall, and I'm like, oh, that was, <laughs> that was real bad. Like yeah. you see that he misses him completely, and Ginger just takes the fall, and I'm like, that's that's really bad. <laughs> John, I gotta go out of order. That that's hilarious. You mentioned that. It is so ridiculous that you mentioned that. It really is. It really is. Because one of my botches, and this is not scripted, I don't know how this happened, I'm telling you the truth, I don't know how this happened. I have it written here, in a, on a 2009 installment of SmackDown, I actually forgot which match this was of them, but Jericho and Hardy, Jeff Hardy, faced a lot during this time. And Jeff Hardy didn't seem right the entire match, right? He looked a little winded. And during a whisper in the wind... <laughs> <laughs> and Jericho goes over and saves his life pretty much, like because yeah. he almost falls down. Yeah, but I can't believe that you also chose a whisper in the wind from Jeff Hardy because I like what? <laughs> yeah. 
And I, I don't know. So I'm, many botches. Yeah, you're not wrong. There's so many botches in wrestling, and and same guy, same move, different years apart. It's yeah. unbelievable. Especially one of his signature techniques. Uh, you'd think that he'd be, you know, good at it. It's like Jericho botching a lion's salt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Was that your number seven? Is, is that what just happened here? Uh, no, no, I had to go out of order a little bit because um, it, it only it only worked there. I mean, that's fine. <laughs> so, 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 what do you got for number seven? Uh, number seven. Uh, so because. Because I talked about two RVD ones, I actually started this one off by saying I'm going to stop talking about RVD. And then I wrote, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so, in 2001 SummerSlam, RVD, SummerSlam, man. And guess who? Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the, bot, the botch superstar. So, during this match, it's a beautiful, it's a great ladder match. You know, you got the belt hanging. And it was just entertaining the entire time. If I remember, uh, remember correctly, it was about 15 minutes into the match, and you know something very exciting happens. Jeff Hardy ladder match. He he's he's hanging on to the belts, and he's just dangling there, like, oh, I have the belt, I have the belt. RVD jumps on the ropes, and he does that like spinning lariat kick that he does, yeah, and, misses and he misses. Yeah, and, like you could have parked a car between them. Like he he didn't even come close. And then RVD's laying on his back, and Jeff Hardy, he has no choice at this point. He lets go of the belt, and he falls to the ground. Two people are on the ground, and no one got hit with a move. And I'm just like, what? And like, like I said before, like as a as a kid, I guess I kind of just thought about it like, um, what? So I thought it was supposed to happen, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, for my number seven, uh, WrestleMania 25. Uh, Undertaker and the uh, <laughs> this listen. I mean, I don't know what happened here. I don't know if the guy who's supposed to take the spot was just like in the wrong spot at the moment. But you know, Taker does his whole dive over the top rope thing on Shawn Michaels, and he pulls the cameraman into like position again. I don't know if that's what was supposed to happen or if the guy wasn't in the right spot. But when Taker lands on this guy, it looks like he breaks this guy's neck. Oh man, like, it's so bad. <laughs> Honestly, because like he falls on the guy and like his body like lands on this guy's neck and breaks the camera at the same time. So I'm like, <laughs> this guy looks like he's all messed up now. But yeah, oh my that, god, that spot was just really bad. I remember that uh, only due to the fact that um, Undertaker has probably performed that dive maybe like not a lot from what yeah. I've seen and. and you know, watching him do it was like, what? And then seeing something that wasn't supposed to happen right after. <laughs> um, yeah. Or maybe it was. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm that not man really kills. Sure. Man. <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that was, I remember that one. But it's like, it's the strangest because botches re- remind you more than like even good things. Like I got to remember all these botches super well, but you know, really good matches. Sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, what? Yeah, it's um, very true. <laughs> so my, six? my next one is uh, so number six would be that's one, two, three. Okay, um, so TNA Victory Road 2011. We're back at Jeff Hardy again. <laughs> hey, it's my guy. 
I don't know, I don't know how this happened, but uh, it just so happened that Jeff Hardy, um, with with all the moves that he does, he's probably the most prone for for botching. So that's okay. I'm okay with that. But at the same time, it makes for good television. Now I remember this one because. I don't watch a lot of TNA, and this is back when it watched when it was called TNA. I have seen a lot of Impact due to uh, John Morrison and uh, Cage was there. He had a yeah. stint, um, and also we'll, we'll we'll get to that. But let, let me continue here. Um, so two two absolute dynamite wrestlers and Jeff Hardy and Sting, and it, this is the only reason I watched the show. It was to see Sting versus Jeff Hardy. Jeff Hardy from the get. He comes out of the gate just messed up. <laughs> so yeah. he comes into the ring and then Sting's in the ring and Sting's just looking at him like, oh man. And, you know, the match ends in like five seconds with a Scorpion death drop. And uh, Jeff Hardy looks like he even tried to kick out of it, but Sting won't let him. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't a botch on Sting's part. Just Jeff Hardy's existence that night was kind of a botch. And I just remember yeah. being so disappointed because I was like, Oh, we're gonna see a good match between Jeff Hardy and Sting, and we didn't see anything. We just yeah. saw Sting squash somebody who's a title challenger, and we shouldn't we shouldn't watch something like that during a pay per view, even if it's you know TNA. Uh, there are there are good TNA matches, but yeah, yeah. This this was supposed to be one of the good ones, and it wasn't. This point. Uh, my number six, and you're probably gonna laugh at this. Uh, just the entire existence of Sin Cara is just. <laughs> He is a botch. Oh my god. He's no, like, I was actually thinking about some Sin Cara botches, but I was like, alright, I'd have all ten numbers Sin Cara. Yeah, so I'm just gonna say, like, as number six, Sin Cara himself is a botch. Cause oh my god. I, I can't Dude. even get into it, because there's just so many, like you just said, like, like it's just what he's known for. <laughs> there's so many Sin Cara botches. Like, he, he dragged Kalisto into the ground with him. Like, yes. honestly. That poor man, Kalisto. <laughs> and then didn't he try to like get his rights back or something like a couple yep. of years back? He did. I'm like I'm looking around like all right, WWE so, you know, probably had to pay so much money in fine damage because of all these botched moves. <laughs> like real, honestly, dude, he he's a disaster. <laughs> like, yep. uh, what do you have for number five? Oh man, we got another TNA spot, and I, I was gonna. I was gonna spoil this one a little bit when I was talking about the Jeff Hardy TNA, but obviously, um, it sacrificed TNA 2008, um, with one of the greatest promos of all time, uh, Scott Steiner's math. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, that was two minutes of just unabridged, excellent television, right? But if you, if you listened to him the entire time, even like his partner is wearing the chain mail hood. Sunglasses, you know, because you need sunglasses with your chin. Um, so he's going on about percentages, and oh, you have a thirty-three and a third percent chance. And I'm just like, that's not math. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? So it's called a math promo, but it's it's not even math. It's just this guy spouting dumb stuff. Even his partner's like looking down at his fingers at, during the promo, and he's like, what? Like. <laughs> Like he's trying to count on his fingers, and also um, he he was in that rivalry with Samoa Joe at the time, and Samoa Joe was fantastic, and it was just uh, it was great to see one of my favorite people on the microphone. 
uh, talk about Samoa Joe and just talk math and make me feel a lot smarter for a day. <laughs> yeah, man, I, I think we can both agree that if you, whenever you put a microphone in Scott Sanders' hands, like, it's just oh. an instant botch. Oh, my God. Not only that, it's just instant, like, legendary status. Like, it's it's a botch, sure, but it's just, please keep going. It's like Brock Lesnar on the microphone. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he just um, my number five, uh, I, I can't remember which tag team it was, but there was a tag team that went to go, like, powerbomb Spike Dudley outside the ring through a table, and they completely missed the table, and his head, like, hits the table, and oh, I'm pretty sure he got concussed from this, and I'm just like, how do you do that? Like, it's, it's right there, like, I don't know, like, for you to miss that, that table, like, it's smack dab in the middle of the floor. But oh when you look God. at this botch, you look at it and you're like, ugh, because I saw that table hit his head and it, it, nothing happened. It didn't break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I can't even, like, I can't believe, like, that happened, you know? I, yeah. I, I honestly, I could be wrong, but I'm, like, 99% sure, and that's because of the use of the table. Uh, yeah, for real. I was, like, sure that that was, um... The Dudley Boys. Hey, honestly, it might have been. I I don't know though. I I would have to go back and look because I feel like the Dudley Boys wouldn't have messed up like that. Hmm. You know, <laughs> they power bombed an old woman through a table. They <laughs> so did. I, You're I not was, wrong. And then and then he's sitting there and he's um just like he looks like he's had the best night of his life. <laughs> like so. I, I don't know about all that. <laughs> I think it miss. Sometimes, I guess. Alright, so I, I gotta skip my number six on the, um, on the Jericho, uh, Jeff Hardy botch because the reason, the reason I had that at number six was because, um, Jericho, like, saved, him. like, he, he really could have felt fallen and hurt his neck or something. Yeah. And Jericho ran up and he stopped him from falling. So just thinking about that point was amazing. Because I, I actually, you know what? I do remember another botch, and I mentioned it earlier. The lion salt. Um, Jericho a while back when he was still like being called Lionheart, he had like cool pants. Um, he did a lion salt as like a finisher, and his opponent saw that Jericho was gonna land on his head, and it was a botch on Jericho's fault and on Jericho's part. And instead, he um he raised his knees up and he carried Jericho back here. With his knees, but he saved him from landing on his neck. And if he landed on his neck that time, what, like, imagine. We no Chris Jericho, probably. Yeah, imagine, like, we missed, we missed out on Chris Jericho's best years because somebody didn't put their knees up like that. He, like, honestly, if you, if you haven't seen that one, you should, man. That, that guy's, like, self-awareness was fantastic. Gotcha. Um. Saving Jericho. So, so that, that was your number four? No, that was. I was like an addition to my number six because of, um, oh, I mentioned the Lions Hall, but for some reason it popped into my head. Uh, I'll probably drop one. I'll, I'll drop one that talks poop about your, one of your guys. <laughs> so, so what do you got for number four then? Uh, number four. It's one of those matches between, uh, Kane and CM Punk during an installment of SmackDown where CM Punk is running this whole straight edge society era thing. And maybe that's cool, maybe it's not. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really like it too much. Uh, but it is what it is. CM Punk is still talented in the ring. He's talented on the microphone. Whatever. Whatever yeah. have you. 
Um, so during this fight between Kane and CM Punk, he attempts to get Kane in a GTS, and he murders the GTS. Like, he, he lets him go. And then he gets him in, like, a weird small package, and then that's how the match ends. So I oh remember God. this one because, like, honestly, one, you botched your finisher, and it was so inherently bad that it didn't even look like it did any damage. But at the same time, Kane lost a match because of a botched finisher. <laughs> so I was like, no, don't do that. Yeah, no. Yeah, like, it's a... Uh, yeah, it was it was one of those, and also I remember this one a little bit more due to the fact that uh, CM Punk was wearing some weird mask, yeah. like some luchador, thing, and he had the, the the scruffy beard coming out of the front of it, and I was like, <laughs> not a fan. Uh, for my number four is actually one you've already mentioned, uh, the one between Sting and Jeff Hardy, dude, um, like. Um, I mean, just 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 to reiterate, like if people hadn't seen this, like like you can see how messed up Jeff Hardy is, and then like like you said, like Sting just covers him, and it, it looks like he's trying to kick out, but like Sting's like, I'm not letting you kick out because I'm not letting you wrestle like inebriated. Yeah, yeah, but like it was just how how many kicks in one place, one place, yeah, yeah, and instead of uh, instead of giving it the respect that it deserves, you come out that way. Like that's yeah. it was just really messed up because I really like Jeff Hardy too. Like, yeah, he's one of my favorites. But yeah, that that boss will definitely live on in history as like one of the worst worst ones ever. Oh man, and especially because it was a pay per view main yeah. event, like, exactly. and it was like TNA was trying to get up off the ground, and that did not do it any favors. For real. Yeah. Uh, what do you got for number three? Alright, I got, uh, I got, uh, um, No Mercy 2017. And this is one of my favorite guys also. And he, um, he pretty much, he's, we're, it's the bar tag team match. And Cesaro did a botch on himself. He, um, he catapulted himself into the ring turnbuckle and destroyed his two front teeth. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yikes. That was just one of those things that was just a real, real bad one. But at the same time, it was, uh, it's really surprising because out of, out of all the wrestlers that I mentioned in this, in the botching, um, he was, Honestly, one of the wrestlers that I watch time and time again, I don't think that I've seen him botch many things, if at all. Yeah. And for him to destroy his face like that <laughs> on the one botch that he makes, I'm like, yikes. So, yeah, it was, it was also kind of funny because, like, he had a shirt afterwards that showed him all bloody, and it was, like, with Superman. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, my number three, WrestleMania 19, you know, that infamous Brock Lesnar shooting star press. My oh, God. Man. Listen, because, oh. like, I watched a documentary recently about this, and, uh, you know, he, he used to do the shooting star press when he was in developmental. Like, he knew how to do one. And someone said, like, oh, it'd be really cool if you did your old finisher in this match. <laughs> and look at that. It almost cost him his career, because he literally almost broke his neck. Like, yeah, man. It, Honestly. It, it does not look good. <laughs> 
Yo, I <laughs> I can't uh, I can't even remember that without thinking my neck's gonna break. Honestly, <laughs> seriously, it just, it just looks like so bad. And honestly, he got lucky he didn't break his neck. Cause that, that so I'm just really happy that it looked like a bad a bad nose dive. It yeah. looked like uh, you're trying to fly a plane from the Top Gun movie. Yeah. <laughs> Negative ice, man. Yeah, man. Real. Uh, that was bad news. Yeah. What do you uh, What do you got for number two? Um. So <clears throat> this is kind of one of those like one of those ones that that's just it's just it's bad, but it's not like one of those that's the greatest of all time. It was a WWE main event on uh, in 2013. We saw um, one of the best natural, uh, get it, <laughs> wrestlers in gold dust. Yeah. <laughs> he's 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 fighting the Ryback, and uh, during during this match, Goldust does his you know power slam that he always does. He he pulls it off to perfection every time. Now, my opinion, it's one of the worst botches because it, it's a relatively simple move for him. And yeah. when he picked Ryback up, he just dropped him like completely. Just dropped him. It didn't. It didn't work the move. Nice. Like it was so strange. It was like that GTS on Kane. It's just so strange to see failure, <laughs> like <laughs> ultimate real. failure. Like it's so weird to see that. And when when you do, it's it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like. Should I be wasting my time watching this? <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. It's just one of those. Uh, it's one of those things you watch, and it's just wow. I can't believe you know somebody who does this for so many years can just give up on a move like that. You know? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, my number two, Stone Cold versus Owen Hart. Uh, Owen oh, Hart. Oh man. Owen Hart does this kind of like tombstone pile driver that you know he used to do sometimes, but he he did it in a way that just wasn't right, and Stone Cold ends up landing on his head and breaks his neck. Uh, oh my god! Stone Cold, because he still won this match uh, with probably he he'll even he says it all the time with the worst looking roll up of all time. But honestly, like that botch is is you see it too. Right when he makes contact with the mat, you you see like his neck is just shattered. Oh man, dude! Like the pile driver has also seen like a weird resurgence. I I don't know why this is happening, but yeah. um, rules like the Styles Clash can't even be used because wrestlers are taught how to protect themselves by talking their chin and. To to take the lift from the Styles Clash, it goes against like what your instincts are. So that's why it's a dangerous move. Styles Clash is probably one of the coolest finishers I've ever seen. And, like, you know, it's, I don't know why the pile driver's coming back. It could have ended one of the best wrestlers of all time. And It could have, yeah. It definitely took years off his career. Easy. Oh, for sure. Like, honestly. And it probably made him, uh, it probably made him more susceptible to neck injury in the first place. Yeah, agreed. All right, Pip, what do you got for number one? 
All right, so um, number one, I kind of, I, I may have spoiled it a little bit already. Um, the Styles Clash, in my opinion, I know, it's sad. Styles Clash itself is a botch uh, because of all the things that I outlined before. So my, my number one was the Styles Clash as a move, but it, it's hurt a couple of people already. Most recently, it hurt Styles himself because he was doing it on James Ellsworth. And he saw that Ellsworth was going to take the lick like Naito did. And once he saw that, he straightened his legs and he straightened his arms and he stopped Ellsworth from taking the lick that could have really hurt his neck. Yeah. And when he did that, Styles hurt his back. So it was a double botch. It was like James Ellsworth botched by looking down and not taking the move right. And Styles tried to fix it, but he hurt his back. So it was like just it was just a disaster. I mean the move the move is so good and cool, but at the same time you can't you just honestly at this point, is it worth it? Yeah. I agree. I mean I really like the move and maybe there should be like training based around the move so they keep using it, but until that point gets there, just like the pile driver, it shouldn't be used. I'm sure um we've talked about Jericho a little bit on here, and Jericho is, I think, responsible for getting the Styles Clash reinstated. He is, correct. Yeah, correct. so, I mean, he also believes the move is that cool, so. Yeah. Uh, my number one is actually another match that happened in Saudi Arabia, Goldberg versus The Undertaker. That oh, match, man. as a whole, whole is just thing. one big botch. Because uh, Goldberg, you know, I don't know, he has this, like, ritual of, like, I don't know, banging his head against his door before he comes out to his match to get pumped, and he ended up giving himself a concussion, so that's already leading the match off, and then he goes to give Taker, um, a jackhammer and just drops him right on his neck, because he couldn't hold him up, and then Taker goes to give him the tombstone, and Taker drops him on his head and almost broke his neck, like, all around, like, that match is just one big botch. <laughs> yeah, those, those guys shouldn't have. They shouldn't have been fighting. Negative, they shouldn't have. Not at all. No. Not at all. Uh, but yeah, listen, that was our top ten. Top ten botches. I think we had a pretty uh, interesting and diverse list. Uh, yeah, but yeah. sadly, we have come to the end of the show here. Uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank you, Biff, for coming on. It was it was a fun time. I hope you had a good time. I had a great time. Thank you for having me. No problem, man. We'll, we'll definitely get you back on here again. Uh, for Philip Watson, I'm Jonathan Stanfield. Just keep jobbing, everybody. <laughs> See you next time.